Welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast. This features the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons, each who stare down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I'm your co-host, Bill Scurry, the founder and proprietor of American Caesar Enterprises, which is a blue aquarium gravel superstore. Do they still do that? Do aquariums still have that bright blue turquoise colored gravel? Do, do, you, know any, do you know any of that? Why, why would they not? I haven't. I probably haven't entered a pet store. This is my entire business model. I certainly that, hope they still do. No, that can't be true. I used to go to a pet store all the time to buy. But I'd go to these stores that just have, when I had, oh, I miss my cat. But I'd buy food. But, like, I haven't gone to, like, a store that had, like, fish and birds yeah. and I love that smell. Shit. Yeah, the, I don't know what that smell was. There was a particular um, a mixture of, like, briny and, 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 and Animal botanical. shit? I mean, maybe? No, no. But the the fish itself, the smell, if it was the fish food, uh, perhaps it was some cleaning. It was always a very herbaceous type of... Um, odor Herbaceous. that came from work wa- walking amongst the, the fish tanks you know I'm walking sure it's cool. amongst the fish tanks yeah anyway so uh that's me and who am i talking to here <laughs> he's like all right we're not talking about this anymore uh my name is noah tardo i'm the founder and the senior quiz master of the big quiz thing the trivia game show spectacular uh funny story i did very early in my business career probably one of the first five or ten private events i did back when we were just doing public events it was for it, 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 the ichthyology department at it was my friend's sister which is how you get your gigs in the early days ichthyology department I think she worked at NYU and she's like my ichthyology lab wants to do some entertainment and we thought trivia would be fun I'm like sure and I remember like emailing her I'm like oh so tell me what do you do because I wasn't sure like what animal she worked with I don't think it was clear it was fish and she just wrote this whole paragraph about the specific breeds and species of fish they study so wow. there you go. The big quiz thing semi started with ichthyology. So you owe I, we, could, we should ask her about blue gravel. You, know? you owe everything to the study of uh, fish. Pretty much, I owe my whole life to the study of fish, the animal, the band, you name it. The, stick. the character, the character on Barney Miller, Abe Vigoda. That is true. Abe yeah, Vigoda, who's now dead. Who's now dead? Yeah. All right. So on this podcast, what we do is we talk about fish tank gravel. We talk about <laughs> Trey Anastasio. We talk about Abe Vigoda and uh, yeah. Hal Linden. I was going to say Barry Linden, but that's a different thing altogether. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we talk about we, Linden LaRouche. We, we talk about. Sh- we shake down modern trends. We look at things that are hot, things that are bumping, things that everyone else is talking about. And we want to get on it too. You know, man, everyone's having fun talking about popular culture. Oh, Me and Noah. nothing but fun in this world. We want to elbow our are, way into are, the room. These are the good times, huh? These, these are, are the, the good, good times. times. It's just yeah. good friends, a couple of bros yeah. broing down, yeah. doing bro things. A couple of bros, you know. Yeah. Take each other's uh, clothes off. It'll be good. (laughs) Our topic this week is a show that is, uh, you know, I'd say it's been consistently on everybody's mind now for uh, many, many seasons. And it is coming in for a landing. Six seasons. Yeah, six seasons. Uh, It's coming in for a landing. We're in the last uh, last few episodes of this thing. I believe it's a split final season. So they managed to parlay the inevitable end over the course of probably an entire calendar year rather than just run through it over a couple of weeks which is the standard tv build now it's obnoxious but that's just the world we're living in especially amc started doing that with their uh, i think walking dead was one of the first shows to do that to split the run so you pretty much get another another whole year out of one season of tv which is you know whatever it's goofy bullshit but that's where we are so we're doing better call saul this week better, better call, call saul saul Better Call Saul, uh, just what the man says. Better Call Saul is a spinoff of uh, Breaking Bad based a on the... A prequel. S- 
A prequel. It's a spinoff and it's a prequel. But I guess you could say it wraps around because there's all these framing devices. Right, about the, right. Uh, it's, the, a sp- it's a spin-quel. It's a spin-quel. It's a re-spin-quel-off. It's a spin... It's, yes. It's yeah, a, I, this doesn't mean a, anything. Nikita so Koloff. Yeah. Torturing the language here. Spin-quel. It's a, uh, it's a it's a pre-off. It's a Spinderella, the the, the third member of Salt and Pepper. It's a salt. Yeah. Yes, it's a. I was always confused by that. You got they're called Salt and Pepper. You got Salt, Pepper, and Spinderella. And Spinderella. Like, it's just, yeah. Rename yourself. Yeah. But uh, Breaking Bad, as you all know, is based on the character of Jimmy Saul Goodman McGill. Better a Call con- Saul is based on that. Not Breaking Bad. Yeah, you know what I mean. No, the the, the, the big. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Uh, he's a con man turned lawyer in the Albuquerque, New Mexico, yes. greater Metroplex. Uh, yeah, con man as, turned lawyer turned con man. Yes. As uh, essayed by the character actor, former comedian Bob Odenkirk, uh, him famous for, of course, years and years of continual comedy service on such things as uh, Breaking Bad uh, and Saturday Night Live and Mr. Show. And He, he was on Saturday Night Live? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was on Saturday Night Live. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. He was, was he in the cast? No, he was uh, writing staff. Again, oh, that's right. That's right. We'll get Thank into you. that. Yeah, okay. So uh, Saul Goodman was introduced in uh, Season 2 of Breaking Bad in the year 2009, and uh, he lasted through the series' uh, end in 2013. And, he was uh, originally supposed to be a one-off character. Yeah, uh, yeah. and series creators, uh, uh, I should say the series creators of Better Call Saul, uh, Vince Gilligan, of course, was the originator, the founder of uh, Breaking Bad itself. And Peter Gould, these two guys created Better Call Saul. They launched the spinoff in 20, 2015. Uh, having this idea in mind that they thought they could get back together with Odenkirk and and have some, uh, you know, see where they can go with this idea. Uh, The last you saw of Goodman in in Breaking Bad, in terms of the narrative, is that he put himself into exile after everything went to shit in New Mexico. And the series, Better Call Saul, picks up what looks like P.I. footage of him managing a Cinnabon in Omaha under a, uh, I guess it's a pseudonym, he's got this name. Gene Gene Takovic, which is such a great name. He really looks like a beat up, you know, worn, spent, you know, defeated human being. Uh, And that's pretty much the show is straddling two things this eventual future that we're not going we're no, you know we're going to and then the years long run up to actual what happened before his involvement on uh, breaking bad began uh which i guess is the uh yeah prequel story of literally it's 2002 to 2008 everything on the show better call Saul, takes place in that i always forget that in the breaking bad averse itself i think that it describes 2008 to 2013 even though the show lasted longer than the period of time it's like it was super compressed so everything yes. is a pretty yeah the whole timeline. show it's the fina- final episode of breaking Bad. one of the final episodes the first episode uh walter white the protect by the way if you've never watched breaking bad or better call saul just turn this off because a you're going to get spoilers and b you're just not going to have a good time uh the first episode of breaking bad i believe is walt's 50th birthday party or 51st and literally the last episode, I think, is his next birthday. I think the whole show takes place over yeah, one I think year. I think you're right. Or maybe right. two years. It's super decompressed. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. you're pr- pretty much right. But, yeah, because but it's, it's birthday to birthday, if I remember. Yeah, there's things like the, the pounded in um, a paper towel dispenser in the bathroom is the same. You know, like the, there are things like that that's, that's in terms of breaking bed. Although, like, like I said, we're not talking about breaking bed. We're talking about Better Call Saul. Uh, so many of the characters from Breaking Bad reprise their roles in Better Call Saul, including Jonathan Banks's career uh, rejuvenating turn as fixer Mike Armentrout, and uh, Giancarlo Esposito's career rejuvenating turn as ruthless drug lord Gustavo Fring. 
uh, among others, of course. Uh, the show has been constantly regarded since Jump as one of the finest on television with countless Emmy nominations for the cast and production. Uh, so Noah, I know, has been an evangelist of the show for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I'm, I'm very curious. You know, this in a way is it's very easy for you for to start because you you've stuck with it and you know you're you're we're charging to the finale. So what has the show meant to you, and uh, what will mm-hmm. it mean to you when it closes mm-hmm. out? Well, I love this show. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I was a big Breaking Bad fan, uh, and I always liked Saul as a character. I I I really feel a bit of a kinship kin, kinship kinship. Uh, with Bob Odenkirk. I, I wasn't even that into um, uh, Mr. Show, but starting with Breaking Bad, I really just feel like he, someone told me, once told me I look like him, which I don't really see, but I think I'm a type like him. So I feel a kinship with that character. And the Saul character really grabbed me in Breaking Bad, and I was curious about Better Call Saul, and I like it even more now. This show is fantastically well acted, as Breaking Bad was. Odenkirk is superb. You didn't mention Rhea Seahorn, who plays Kim Wexler, who at the start of the show, they are colleagues and friends, and then they become, we're given a lot of way, they become romantic, and by this point, the end, they're married. And one of the big questions hanging over uh, the show is, what happens to Kim? Because she, you never see her in Breaking Bad. She is never mentioned in Breaking Bad. Is she dead? Did she just leave? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, by the way, one one thing that you haven't really hit on is, in Breaking Bad, he is Saul Goodman, which is a play on It's All Good, Man. And he's this kind of sleazy fixer, criminal lawyer, over-the-top patriotic kind of he guy. He did say that it didn't hurt that people thought he was Jewish. Well, he, he actually says in one episode, oh, I just use that name so people think I'm Jewish. My, really name, my real name is Jimmy McGill. So Better Call Saul starts with a—it's basically the story of how Jimmy McGill became— Saul Goodman. You're seeing that process, and there was a big moment a few seasons ago where he takes on. I, I am now professionally known as Saul Goodman. You also, I'm jumping around here. You also didn't mention that a cast member in the first several seasons is David St. Hubbins himself, Lenny from uh, Laverne and Shirley, David uh, McKeon, who played Michael, David, Michael McKeon. Michael McKeon, sorry, who plays um, Chuck Charlie. McGill. Yeah, Chuck. Chuck. Chuck McGill, who is um, Jimmy's older brother and a legal titan of the Albuquerque area. And part of the idea is he is the co-founder of Hamlin Hamlin McGill, a very Tony law firm that Jimmy wants a job in after he puts himself through law school while working in the mailroom. He he does it. The University of American Samoa, he gets a degree work, you know, taking classes remotely. And so much of the story is his conflict with his brother, Chuck, and being in Chuck's shadow. Um, Keen is superb. Rhea Seahorn is out fucking standing. First season, I'm like, who is this actress? She's terrible. I, I've done a complete 180 on her. She is so good and specific as this character. The chemistry between Seahorn and Odenkirk is amazing. People are commenting how like she's too hot for him because he's like, wow, you how did you get such a hot woman? I, I believe them as a couple 120%. The chemistry is terrific. Uh, a guy named Michael Mando plays a, a lower-level drug guy, uh, Nacho Vargas. He is, um, again, spoilers, uh, he has a incredibly powerful death scene in this, so far, the first half of season six. He, he's just great. Uh, um, Giancarlo Esposito is terrific. He also shows up in The Boys these days. So this has really been a career revival for him. Um, I was never familiar with Jonathan Banks before. He's great. Everyone is great. Top 
to fucking bottom. This is a well-acted show. And the chemistry among the characters is really good. Uh, This is a legal and crime drama. I never really understand everything that's happening, but I am always brought along for the ride. I consistently love it. Uh, There is a plot in this past season, half season, where Kim and Jimmy are trying to destroy the career of Howard Hamlin, uh, you know, the law partner of Chuck, uh, who's a guy who Jimmy's always, you know, clashed horns with. Um, and they're doing this completely elaborate, almost Rube Goldberg uh, kind of scheme to destroy Howard's career, not just to take him down, but also not to get too much into it, to to do like good to serve some of uh, their former clients in a better way. And I have no idea what's going on in the plan, but it is always entertaining and you go back and rewatch the episodes and everything makes sense and there's always some complication to the plan they have to improv their way out of um and then of course the other it's kind of a bifurcated show you have the legal shenanigans with jimmy and kim which are kind of comedic and then you have you have hardcore violent mexican drug trauma that centers on mike the fixer and gus the drug kingpin, and then the cartel characters, Nacho, all that. Um, and um, there's a villain character in this past couple seasons, Lalo, played by Tony Dalton, another terrific character. He redeems a cliche of the overly friendly, wise-cracking villain who, like, he comes off as this charming, friendly guy, and then he just shoots someone in the head for no reason. Like, I, I read a, a review of it that says he does it as casually as an executive wipe lint off his uh, three-piece suit. Really excellent. Uh, this is something I think you could speak to better, but I think the show, as Breaking Bad was, is very well shot. There's a lot of almost breathtaking imagery in the show. Uh, there's a scene that really grabbed me. Nacho, I said, has the powerful death scene. And they basically threaten Nacho with torture. They said, give us this info and you will have a good death. Don't give us this info and it will get worse. And when he's being told that, you see this shot. It is from inside. Nacho's on his knees, handcuffed, and someone has a gun to his head. You are inside a van, looking through the window of the van, seeing Nacho on his knees, and you see in the van a tray of what basically look like torture implements. As the cartel guy is saying, you will die today. You can have a good, you tell us what we need to know, I will see you have a good death. If you don't, it will go differently. As you see these torture implements from inside the van, just breathtaking. Really, really well shot. Uh, If I had to criticize it at all, which I'm always trying to, you know, do the opposite side of things, uh, the the bifurcated nature of the show sometimes I think makes it awkward. There is overlap, and there's more overlap as it's steaming to a finish, but it almost felt like two shows. You had the gritty crime drama with some characters and the legal drama with other characters. And not never shall the twain meet, but, you know, for for a good run of the show, it was seldom. I still enjoyed it, but that made it feel a little awkward, especially compared to Breaking Bad, which was so well-plotted and fluid. Uh, Sometimes it feels like fan service and how they bring back all these minor characters. You know, earlier in the season, they brought back Wendy, the, the junkie hooker. And it really, the way they introduced her, really felt like, hey, remember Wendy? And of course... It's been promised to us that one of the last episodes, Walter and Jesse from Breaking Bad do show up briefly. So sometimes it feels like fan service. Fan service can be okay. The best Marvel movies do that, but it can be a little awkward, especially compared to Breaking Bad. And, and 
This comes off as a harsh criticism. I don't mind it so much, but on paper, it's a big deal. We are seeing the story of Jimmy becoming Saul. I'm still, we're steaming toward the end, and I still think there's a big gulf. Jimmy has some morals. Jimmy is still, only a few episodes to go, you know, not the kind of guy to me who would have a gold toilet, which it's established he does. Saul Goodman is so over the top. I just, I don't know. I feel like there's some missing pieces. Now, to be fair, we never saw Saul Jimmy's internal life on Breaking Bad. It's possible the whole time he was screaming about, I bring justice for you and committing crimes in his head, he was a more thoughtful guy. But I just feel like the character isn't evolving in an entirely consistent way. That is a nitpick. Jimmy slash Saul remains one of probably my 10 all-time favorite TV characters. I love this show. Uh, I think Breaking Bad is better, but I love this show. Hmm. I know, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I don't know if I could put it better than that. I mean, I thank you. I don't watch this show. I watched the pilot, and I realized that it was going to require— Wait, wait, wait. You don't watch this show? You watch the pilot? I watched the pilot of the show when it started, but I did not keep up with it. I, I, that's, I, that's all I got Have you through. caught up now? No, no, I did not. What I did are you was, serious? Yeah, I don't. So have I time. just gave away everything to you. I was familiar with that anyway. I've been following oh, the show from man, afar anyway. Come I, on. Look, here's the thing. I wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. We're talking about a topic, a TV show, and you haven't watched an episode for six years. No, I watched the last two episodes. So you watched the pilot, and then you skipped ahead six seasons and watched. I watched. Episodes. I watched. As, as seven, what is it? Episode seven and eight of this season. What I think is nine and ten with are you? coming. I'm I'm a I'm a dedicated consumer. That's what's wrong with me. No, you're not. Is what you, that's the problem. You're not. All right. Anyway, oh, this show it, it was. Crazy. I realized that at the you beginning. You missed everything. No, no, I'm not missing everything. I, I'm well aware of exactly everything that's happened. So in the you show. know about Chuck dying and how? Yeah, he died absolutely. Yes, I have. I know everything. Yeah, even what happened to Huel. Just kidding. Huel wasn't in. Huel's not. Huel makes it to Breaking Bad. We know he survives. Yeah. yeah. We know Huel survives. You know. By the way, they were going to bring in Bill Burr's character. Right. Like he, his scheduling didn't work out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like the thing about everyone knows uh, whether Breaking Bad, you watch it or not. It was one of the, um, well, you say it was one of the most well-regarded shows of the uh, last 30 it. years. It, Guinness World Records declared it the best, uh, most most acclaimed show in history. Yeah. That, that may yeah. be so. I'm I'm more of a Sopranos and uh, The Wire kind of guy. I definitely like Breaking Bad, but I thought that there was always something very formal about Breaking Bad that... Uh, other shows on HBO, for instance, were able to engage. You know, some of it had to do with the fact that there was no nudity on Breaking Bad. There's no profanity, and that's just. Oh, there's just, a lot of profanity. Well, you not it wasn't fucking. It wasn't Sopranos and Deadwood type profanity. It was. It was okay, fine. It wasn't Sopranos and Deadwood, but it yeah. Was still I'm just way saying there, there's a limit to what AMC could could do. AMC didn't have the budgets that HBO had. It. it, it I still like the show. I like the show, but I don't consider it uh, as one of my favorites. Elite, though, it may be. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I think you mentioned is is plays in this show's success, which is the exact formal style pickup that it handed off from Better Call Saul, which is this sort of mousetrap feeling where, you know, you have a lot of characters in the show because it's run by uh, Vince Gilligan, who, you know, Vince Gilligan has been in TV for, I would say. Wait, didn't 30... he leave Better Call Saul a couple seasons ago? Well, but he started. He, eventually... he started it, but yeah, I, he, I don't he think he's been involved it. for a few seasons. Now, that may be true, but I know Peter Gould has been the guy for. Yes. The... If but, you yeah, watch he... this show, you might know that. 
Peter Gould's picked up the style. And again, if you have something that operates like uh, Better Call, I mean, like uh, Breaking Bad, then you know you're, you'd be, you could essentially keep on playing with that same sort of formalism. And you know, the characters exist inside of a tightly woven. Uh, mousetrap scenario. You know, everything that happens... Tightly is, woven mousetrap. Everything that happens inside of the... That's a good mixed metaphor. I like it that. It is. And Thank so you. what happens is, is the characters often get, you know, trapped. Their legs caught in snares. Uh, Metaphorically. Doors. Yeah, for, metaphorical. Metaphorically. Although maybe there are actually worse snares on the show. But, you know, the thing is there's a lot of suspense that plays out. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, like you say, you watch things diagrammatically happen on screen with a great amount of clarity. And so you have this, um, t- you know, the two-pronged approach where you're in bed with the characters, all of them, bad guys and good guys, which is maybe not the only time this has ever been done on TV. But one of the things that this sort of uh, Vince gilligan verse manages to cultivate is the, the fact that... The gilligan verse. Of course, that sounds like the professor and uh, yes. the skipper are there. Yeah, gilligan verse. He started yeah. off on an island somewhere. I want to see a crossover, the Better Call Saul and uh, Gilligan meets uh, Saul Goodman. I want to see that. But Gilligan, um, everybody, almost from the lowest guy to the highest guy, sort of gets their little uh, a chance to show personality. And not every show does that. Not, certainly not all crime shows do that. Uh, and I would say that other shows, if they do it, kind of like were really influenced by Breaking Bad. And so yep. it makes sense that this tradition keeps up. And like you said, the idea of the visual look of the show, not only was Breaking Bad shot wonderfully, Breaking Bad was groundbreakingly shot. Uh, the, yeah. the director of photography for that show was a guy named Michael Slovis. And he's he's only worked on this show uh, here and there. But they what they've done is they've incorporated his style and they incorporated his technique and the directors of photography make this show something that other shows aren't. There's a lot of good-looking shows, but the thing Breaking Bad does and the thing Better Call Saul does is that it makes sure that there's always something new, the suspense, um, the clarity. I'm repeating myself, but that's so laudable. Um, you know, what you would hope for is that you have these actors who were, you know, for the lack of a better term, jobbers, people like Rhea Seahorn, people like Michael Mando, Patrick Fabian, Tony Dalton, who I did not hear of these actors beforehand. And you no. know what? This much like Breaking Bad did this too. Breaking Bad discovers these actors, writes to their strengths, cultivates cultivates them, brings them into the team, makes them part of it. And again, you can build up a show when you cultivate actors like Rhea Seahorn. You make her role larger and it informs the story because you can do things with her as that you didn't know you could do when you first cast her. And that's, again, the beauty of casting is that you're going to, everyone organically grows into this gigantic, massive tree. Michael Mando played a lot of garbage roles before he got this. And all of a sudden, this, this guy, I want to say he's not young. He's about 41 or 42. Really? He, he's that yeah. old? Yeah, but it's like right. he was this guy out of Montreal uh, that did not really get a shot. And, you know, here he is. Comes in here. And Patrick Fabian, Tony Dalton, all these guys did incredible work in the confines of the show. You know, John Banks was a veteran for a long time. I think his first movie was Airplane back in 1980. And it's like he, he was on did, Airplane? Yeah, he had a very small role in Airplane. But it's like he. Wow. And Beverly Michael Hills Mando Cop. is 41 or 42. Yeah, Beverly Hills Cop, he was in there. But it's like these guys get a chance to do something on this show, career revitalizing, or at least, you know, it, it... I love that as a fan of character actors. This show invents character actors. This show takes care of them. It is so important. It is such a crucial ingredient to this, this show's success. I never turned on you. I didn't. Never. I only worked for you in the desert. I was on your side the whole time. 
so why? Why is Better Call Saul, I don't want to say succeeded where other things have failed, but why has it succeeded so much, you know, even with its uh, disadvantages, let us say? If you think all the uh, tributaries you could have gone off of uh, Breaking Bad in terms of what was a viable spinoff material, uh, could, you know, like just about everybody was dead at the end of Breaking Bad. There were so few characters left over with the yeah. exception of, um, I mean, Gus was dead. Mike is dead. Je- Je- at the end of Breaking Bad, Jesse's alive. That's about it. Yeah, and Huel. Uh, Huel's alive. <laughs> uh, well, Saul's alive. Yeah, but he's in Witness. He's in Witsack, or you and, want to and, call it and that. And then a bunch of minor characters. Yeah, and so this. The, oh, Skyler's alive, and right. Flynn, and you know, so. So doing doing a um, a flashback, sort of wondering how you got to this, especially with an actor like Bob Odenkirk was already in his mid forties by that point. The weird thing now is like Bob Odenkirk is in his sixties, and he's like he's going to somehow run up to the beginning of Breaking Bad, but he looks visibly different from what I he know. looks like. I know. They're kind of fudging the prequel thing, but yeah. it's, it's okay. I know. It's okay. Yeah, you'll you'll it's just okay. you'll just have to. That doesn't it. bother me it's the character development I, I i keep saying this even though i fucking love the show i'm just i i i criticize because i love i just don't see the the the, the jimmy who actually cares about his elderly clients to the, the, the slime bag shits in a yeah. gold toilet i need more and look maybe they'll stick the landing with the last few episodes and i'll get more but i'm, I'm dubious yeah. sorry i'm sure they're aware of this but anyway yeah look this is a sequel prequel prequel sequel a pre-sequel a presidio yeah presidio yeah it's a presidio yeah. It's one of the most well-regarded shows the last 30 years. It still managed to carve out its own identity while presumably coming in for a landing seamlessly with with what we already know is going to happen in Breaking Bad, which is this incredible brand. It's a collection of great characters who are given full breath, you know, by storytellers who know their work better than most. It has this all-time good guy in terms of you want to talk about a great myth of Bob Odenkirk. I mentioned I'd talk about him again when I wrote him at the top. Odenkirk was this guy... Uh, came up in the comedy systems of uh, Chicago. He was a Second City guy. Bob Odenkirk was a uh, the same generation as Farley. In fact, Bob Odenkirk and Chris Farley did the Van Down by the River. That was their sketch. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Bob that's Odenkirk awesome. wrote that for Farley, yeah. and then they moved it to SNL, and he did it with Spade and those guys. But it's like that was Bob Odenkirk's thing. So Bob Odenkirk has been in this epoch of comedy for as long as we've been paying attention to Saturday Night Live and as long as we've been... He knows he's friends with everybody. He has been there for the longest time. And the one thing that he never seemed to evince any interest in, and he's directed a lot of things. He is really involved with Tim and Eric. He had a lot to do with Tim and Eric uh, and Adult Swim type stuff. Weird, weird shit. And you did not think that this guy had a dramatic uh, gear inside of him. And the weird thing is, is that they, well, in Breaking Bad, he certainly did. You know, he had a small role. Yep. He was off to the side. Every time he came in, he kind of crushed it because you didn't ask a lot from but him. But he was kind of the comic relief. Like, it you was. never saw, he was never the dramatic element. Whereas in Better Call Saul, he has that. He, but by the uh, end, because he's the he's the lead, he's the main he got character. serious in that last season of, yeah. of Better Calls. I mean, of, of Breaking Bad, he got serious in really effective way. I think that's what let them think. Oh, you know what, Bob uh, well, Odenkirk Oden- yeah. can handle this stuff. If we do a tone change, I think he can nail this. And he became a better actor, you yes. know. And so again, there's a lot of intercepting narratives on top of it being a good show. It kind of creates one of those. Um, you know, there there are very few good shows that do this type of storytelling that we talk about. That sort of Sopranos type. Yeah. You know. Not just peak TV, because there's a lot of peak TV. But the thing is, how much of the peak TV is stuff that's going to last? This is one of the shows that's going to last. There's not actually still, there's still not a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Everything you say, it's high quality. And this is an example of the cream rising to the top. Uh, You know, people always want twisty plots and good acting, good filmmaking. Uh, I'm 
people always love drugs and legal shenanigans. I mean, legal dramas and drug violence dramas. I mean, and narcos is eternal. narcos. They still yeah. do narcos shows. Some are better than others. Um, I think this show is almost an example of cliches done right. You know what I mean? The fact that it is the drug and legal drama done right. Breaking Bad fan service. I can play, oh, there's Wendy the hooker, but done right. Wendy She's the hooker great. Shows She's up a great character. And it doesn't feel gratuitous because they give her something really awesome to do in a really amazing scene. And that actress, whoever the fuck she is, is great. I, I actually looked her up. Of course, in real life, she's she's gorgeous, but they make her look like the skankiest, like, motel hooker. I mean, it's sad. She's clearly a junkie, the character. but And, of course, she's a great actor, so she plays it great. Even the violence, the extreme violence, the blood, all that feels like fan service done right. The death of Nacho really hits that hard. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's like... It's like the Ramones. It's just something very simple, not simple, but very direct and what people love. And you just, you do it right. You prove, you prove why the cliche is the cliche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't worry. I mean, it's, it's very easy. It's a revolver. It's already loaded. No safety. It's idiot proof. No, would you have watched this with the same verve and enthusiasm that you, uh, if, when you were a kid? Well, you know, uh, considering this question initially, I was like, of course I would. Why not? But... Maybe I wouldn't because, uh, you know, like I said, like I don't always follow the plots. You have to like pick it up afterwards. There's a, there's a moment earlier in the season, and I'm focusing on the season because that's what I just rewatched, where they break into – I don't want to get into too much. They, they break into Nacho's house, and they basically replace his safe with another safe and put something inside the safe. And I'm watching like why the fuck are they doing this? I couldn't figure it out. And even as the episode went on and you saw how the safe played into it, I still didn't entirely understand it. I had to read an essay online explaining it to me. And you know what? Even though I didn't understand it, I still enjoyed it. The plot against Howard, uh, they're explaining it. They're thinking it through. You have no fucking clue what they're talking about. I still enjoyed it, even though. By the way, the guy, it, the, guy the, the actor they got to play the guy dropping, the, doing the packets drop off in the park, that is that's that is uh, Bob Odenkirk's Mister Show uh, comrade, a guy named uh, Mike uh, uh, John Annis. He's they've been yes. working together for like yes. twenty five years too. Yes, yeah. I mean, they they bring back old people, so it's um, yeah. I think I would maybe as a kid, I'd like. I don't understand this. Uh, it wouldn't carry me along as much. Just my earlier mindset, but. I don't know. Odds are, I I'd like it. What about you? No, that's I could t- I could say conclusively no, and I'll tell you why. It's not again mm. the, qual- the quality of the show, but this this for some reason made me think exactly of what it was like to be about ten. I would say ten to about thirteen years old, and I remember my relationship with especially television shows, and especially the ten p.m. on NBC or the nine p.m. on NBC, ABC, CBS sort of dramas that we had. Growing up, you know, we had Hill Street Blues, we had L.A. Law, we had this whole generation of just before we watched ER in college, like that kind of graduation show. When I was younger, I remember thinking like this would have been one of those shows that I had regarded as adult stuff. You know, my parents watched Hill Street Blues and it, it looked like 
there wasn't anything here for kids. Now I I've never gone yeah. back in and watched Hill Street Blues. I bet you in I bet you it was a great show. It's probably going to seem like it has a lot of 1988 on it, you know, by today's standards. Yeah. But it was probably de rigueur for what you could get. In fact, people say those are some of the shows that were regarded as the, the progenitors uh, to pick TV because that's where a lot of those guys, the David Milches of the world, the yeah. goes, invented those shows. They came out of there. David E. was it? David E. Kelly, you know. Um, so, you've, look, this show is nothing like them, but I could definitely see looking up from my 11, 12, 13-year-old vantage point and realizing that there are just some shows that I'm going to have to grow into and that they're not designed for kids, especially in a world where, like, Obi-Wan Kenobi exists on streaming today, which <laughs> would, in, I know. In, it would, no uncertain terms, look like, well, that's definitely for Bill. But the adult drama that looks pretty airless and mirthless, of course it isn't, but from the outside, you, you'd, you'd almost be fooled for thinking Better Call Saul is mirthless when because it yeah, looks like a, I, it looks like a show I, that's not but it's filled I, with I didn't think humor. of that I had no interest in I mean I got into LA Law at like 13 really but okay I, yeah I had no interest in like well that's pop. but that's when it turns yeah that's when that thing turns yeah. you know okay at 13 but yeah like you like I never was intrigued by Hill Street Blues or anything like that this guy the, uh, the house cat he looks through his people in the middle of the night and he sees me Who's this asshole? What's he doing? Maybe maybe he gets his gun. Maybe he calls the cops. Either way, that door stays shut. But he sees a woman. She looks like she's in distress. Maybe her car broke down. I mean, you'd open the door for her, wouldn't you? Is the success or the existence of Better Call Saul, BCS, in any way an auger of doom for humanity? You know, because we need more. Uh, yeah, right. I... I... No, it's not an auger for humanity. It's but in in a way, it's like it's it's not fair. No, the end of humanity. Maybe it's an auger for the for the existence of humanity. It's not fair for again. You know, I I made mention of the fact that we are living in what people call the golden age of TV, and it's like, well, I think that we are in the golden age of quantity and volume, but I think that quality has plunged once again, and that we had. From 99 to about 2010, we had a pretty good uh, quality age. Uh, that was maybe the apex of what we're going to say is that was the best of the stuff made. Now, we're still in the tailspin of this revolution where everyone got shows and the, and the movie budgets went to TV and TV took over the storytelling and movie went to spectacle. And, you know, the, the, the actual coin of movies has been degraded by the fact that it's nonsensical storytelling in favor of four-quadrant storytelling for, for international markets so people don't speak English. Right. TV still doesn't do that. But um, even in that realm, there's too much TV to compete with this. And so is the, the apocalypse is that, like, you still have all these other shows that are out there that are supposed to be... I'm supposed to watch the fucking good, the good fight? I mean, I don't want to shit on that show because I haven't watched minute one of it, but it's like in a world where this exists, in a world where Vince Gilligan is still doing this work, apparently there's no oversight. Vince Gilligan does what he did on Breaking Bad and this, and, and, and the network doesn't tell him what to do, and he's got a blank check, he hires the actor he wants, and it's like, and then there's still shows like fucking Evil on CBS. Then there's still shows like... I have literally never heard of that. Hawaii Five-0 with Scotty Can. You know, there's all these Hawaii Five-0 is still on? I believe it. It's still on, and it's like, like it's not—it's the sign of the Scotty can like he's your friend. It's it's it is it is a sign of the apocalypse for other shows because how could they possibly catch up with this? But again, there's just so much stuff now that we know this show is great, but it is not. There cannot be a consensus of the greatest show on television because there's just too much stuff to 
to consensus about. Anyway, so no, the answer is no. I was just trying to make other TV shows look shittier in comparison. Yeah, no, not at all. And uh, it's the opposite of the apocalypse. And 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 I'm going to make a weird comparison. Uh, I'm going to compare it to the Marvel movies in that, you know, I mentioned before, I think this is fan service done right. And I feel that way about the Marvel movies. I mean, yeah, they're not all great, but on average, the Marvel movies are shockingly good. And, you know, you complain about the four quadrant thing, and that is a problem. But I think those movies, like Breaking, like, well, Better Call Saul, get it right in that they do that four quadrant thing, but they actually tell a good, involving story where you care about the characters and the action scenes are done well, you know, when they're done right. And also the Marvel movies have a problem now that they 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 feel a little formulaic. It's, it's mission creep. Yeah. Again, it's like, yeah. you know, you could almost chuck up the same right. successes that Kevin Feige is the Vince Gilligan of that pair. Okay. You know? So if they pump out 10 more Breaking Bad spinoffs, if we get the Kim Wexler show, if we get the Wendy the Hooker show, if we get, you know, the Huel Variety Hour, and they, that would be awesome. Uh, Heel's great character. That would be, yeah, now we got a problem, right? And they all kind of take this form that Better Call Saul Breaking Bad did. Yeah, then we got a problem. But my point is, like, look, we're in a world, we're stuck with fan service, we're stuck with our recursive pop culture, that's the way it's going to be. So how do you do that while still telling a well-acted, well-plotted, well-designed, very well-shot TV show? Better Call Saul does that. So that's the anti-apocalypse. It's... I don't want to say making ba- good of a bad situation, but taking the way things are, which might not be optimal, and and making it fucking work. Bill, is there any aspect of it is imperative that one telephone the man known as Saul is there any aspect of that show that inspires wrath, envy, or jealousy within your deep, dark, coal-blackened soul? Well, here's the irony of all this, right, is that I did not watch Breaking Bad when it launched as well. Um, it, but the thing is, I caught up with it, I want to say, after season three. And then I was, for real time, watching Breaking Bad in season four and five. So that was one of those um, concerted pushes. I forget what service had Breaking Bad but I was I just it was like one summer AMC no but it might have been an Apple like iTunes sells TV show well it's episodes. on Netflix now yeah now it is now it is yeah. but back in back in 2000 uh, whatever I love it was, how they jump around it's like yeah. who owns who owns the fucking rights to these things yeah. no but I was I was um, it's, all, it's all the same people I was very jealous five white guys I was very jealous of um, Breaking Bad fandom at the beginning because I thought oh I missed out on the show and then you know it just got me over the hump to actually start it and the first season of Breaking Bad was actually a short season. I think that was only, Jesus, that might have been only six episodes or five episodes. And then that was that was like technically season one. And season two was a full full 10 or 13 or something like that. Uh, and, you know, that's the thing. I have this going here, too, because I thought that the, the pilot, I saw where it could go. I didn't like the fact that oh, we were going to have to start all over again. And I didn't quite know. I didn't really like the Michael McKeon brother thing. And you know what? They were really, in that pilot, they were really leaning into his whole, what is it, electro-hypersensitivity arc. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they really front-lined that. And like, I didn't find it interesting. Um, you know, and it like, you you had a lot of, there's a lot of room until you finally got to like Gus Fring and Mike Ermentrout. They played along with the with the law firm and they, you know, all that stuff was, it was a foreground and I'm like, I just didn't think it was interesting enough to catch up with it. And now that's the thing. 
now that this is Breaking Bad Jr. or Part 2 or whatever you want to call it, this is exactly the type of show that I hoped this had been from the beginning, but you had to build up to it organically. So I'm jealous of the fact that I didn't stick with it. I know yeah. exactly, I know what it's about. And again, yeah. I, the two episodes that I watched, I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody else. And it's like, I... We've spoiled everything. No, no, not the, not, the, not the last two episodes. The, like, there's there's people who are still waiting to catch up on the show. Just All in case right. there's like... I spoiled people. a shit ton, man. No, not not a couple of like high profile... I told him Nacho died. Well, well I guess he kind of know Nacho's going to die. He died a year ago or so. No, there's like people no, just No, he died, died like five, ep- two episodes ago. All right, well, two, two people just died in the last two weeks, which were pretty good deaths they were fantastic yes, storytelling yes, that course. is that that's amazing you know like that's to be able to just catch up and watch and like see that this show put all these pieces in, you know in play for something like that to hit and it's like that it was incredibly well done that's the mousetrap thing anyway you gotta you gotta oh my god you should like i so much as soon to watch. as we're done talking catch up so much to watch so much this to is watch. ridiculous yeah. uh so i'm jealous of bob odenkirk because as i said before uh so as a kid all i wanted to do was be an actor I specifically, I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live, but Odin Kirk is, you know, I viewed myself as a comedy guy, and I realized pretty quickly in adulthood I wasn't that much of a comedy guy. Yeah, I was the funniest guy at my college, but that wasn't saying very much. And when I got to New York, I started taking, you know, oh, I'm going to be on SNL by the time I'm 30, ha ha ha. Taking improv classes, I realized I could work really, really hard and be okay. So I was never going to be Bob Odenkirk level. And it's the comedy thing and then kind of par- showing you have hidden depths and, and, and springboarding that into a dramatic career. Um, I mentioned earlier Jimmy McGill slash Saul Goodman. I made a list a couple years ago of my 10 favorite TV characters of all time. And Jimmy slash Saul is definitely in there. And I think partly so, so it's Jack Sue from Barney Miller, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, it's nine characters from Barney Miller. <laughs> <laughs> it's five from Barney Miller, three from uh, from Mr. Belvedere. Wasn't then, uh, wait? Isn't nine characters of Barney Miller in search of an author or in search of a play? Yeah, that's <laughs> that was a play. Yes, and it was also a, a song cycle by Glenn Gould. Um, no. Um, anyway, uh, so uh, it's exactly the character I would have wanted to play. I think I would have done. Uh, frankly, I think if I had some tools, I could have been an actor. I think I had some talent. So I, I just, oh, I would have loved to play Jimmy slash Saul. I would have been great at it. I would have been perfect. I would have been awesome. Uh, not taking anything away from Bob Odenkirk and being realistic. So I'm jealous of him. I'm jealous of his arc. I'm jealous of all these actors. They get to be on such a good show. They get to have these great moments. Um, one of the things I like about violence in TV and movies is the safe distance you are from it. No one's actually getting hurt. So I always thought it would be really fun to play like, like a Lalo type character, like a, a mad dog evil killer. I always thought it would be so freeing and fun to play a fucking monster. So, you know, I would be able to let something out in a healthy way. That way. I hope that um, Rhea Seahorn actually gets her Emmy. This I know this is her first nomination, but I, I hope really? that this, this was a nomination yeah. en route to actually winning because it seems like this is long overdue for her. Yeah, and it's great. And, and I think I said this before, the biggest question of the show is what happens to Kim? Yeah. Does she die? And they they she, know mean, it. They know it. There's does a tension. she leave Jimmy? Yeah. I mean, there is a theory that we never see Saul's home life in Breaking Bad, that she's there behind the scenes the whole Off time. Camera. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I mean, you know, I saw one thing the other day. They're like, wow, this last episode was so good. Will they stick the landing? If they do, it'll be better than Breaking Bad. It's and, possible. You know, may, maybe, you know, they're on a, certainly indications are good, but 
you know, a couple months ago, the ending of Ozark. I loved Ozark, and I thought they fumbled the, the landing. I mean, I still love that show, but the ending was disappointing. And, and by the way, I'm not going to name names. <laughs> Several years ago, I was talking to a friend of mine. I haven't talked to him in a while. This is partly why. About how I love Breaking Bad, and I love the finale of Breaking Bad. And this guy fucking lost it. He went on a standing rant about how the finale of Breaking Bad was the worst episode of TV ever, and it was ridiculous, and blah, 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 and the coincidences and all that, and I totally You're looking, you're looking for a reason to hate the world. That's all you're doing. I, I, well, he's not that bad. So I've spun away from things, but yeah, I'm jealous of Bob Odenkirk, and to an extent, I'm jealous of all these actors. So where would you put this on the felonious scale? No, our XYZ axis of all the right. topics on our show. Right. I, it's pretty damn high up, man. It's one of the best. Uh, the thing that's always in my mind as the best, or certainly the best in terms of entertainment, is Key and Peele. I think those guys are genuine comedy geniuses. Uh, so I would say this show, because of the you know the little nitpicks I said before, I would say it is one millimeter, one microgram, one nanoparsec below Key and Peele. Nanoparsec. Uh, yeah, is that yeah. an actual word? I don't think so, but I like the I'm, fact I'm, that you're, you're um, Cicero, a pica parsec. Uh, I don't know how you're a doing pica, a, a, yeah. a tetraparsec. Yeah. Well, no, that yeah. would be a lot, a, right? A, yeah. a femtoparsec. You know, femto. That's one. Yeah. A, a lepton parsec. Or but this like uh, a gluon. This is one gluon, gluon. underneath. One gluon yeah. below, <laughs> uh, key and peel. Well, I think that uh, this is just about, uh, you know, you honestly can't do better than this. I mean, you could you could split hairs about what you might want to see or listen to in terms of a piece of art, but uh, storytelling does not come better than this if you pay attention to it at all as a, as a pursuit. So it's it's difficult because it's like, yeah, I love Key and Peele, but I think this is, I think, I mean, this for me is more natural, a more native uh, type of entertainment to understand and the way it operates. Like this makes more sense when it unfolds. And, you know, comedy, of course, you know, especially the Key and Peele show was like an anthology where, you know, you could, some sketches were better than others, but this yeah. is a drumbeat over the course of 60 minutes. Yeah. And it, like, it's, it, it's, it's apples and oranges in a way. Yeah, it is. It is apples yeah. and oranges. But so it's like, this is at the top of the type of storytelling you can do. And like I said, there just aren't many peers for the discipline uh, and the brand of, of Vince Gilligan type storytelling. And it's like, God, that guy came up on X-Files among other things. And that's where he met Michael McKeon, for instance. And, you know, he a lot of the connections he made in TV, working for Chris Carter in the 90s, the guy managed to keep a really good relationship with all these people. And you know what? No one ever says a, a bad word about Vince Gilligan. And it was a, there was a whole book called, I think it was called Difficult Men, came out uh, about 10 years or so ago about all these guys, the David Chases of the world, Vince Gilligan, Milch, all these guys who authored the, the golden age of TV. And they all had, with the exception of Vince Gilligan, they all had character traits in common. Uh... They were all assholes. They were they were they were touchy. Yeah. They were hard to deal with. They were angry. Yeah. Yeah. They were diva bullshit. Oh. And it's like Vince Gilligan yeah. goes to work, punches in, shakes hands with everybody, says hi to the guy who brings him his bagel, goes home, and doesn't make anyone feel like a shithead. And Vince Gilligan is one yeah. of a kind in TV because he's not a fucking yeah. jerk. All right. And well, then I'm jealous of him. T- I didn't know that. I'm jealous of him too, because I run a small business, and sometimes I find le- uh, that it's hard to achieve my goals because I refuse to be an asshole, right? Or at least not on purpose. I refuse to be an asshole on purpose. Occasionally yeah. <laughs> I am by accident. Well, and, that's, uh, you know, I feel bad about And I feel bad about that too. Like, I, the, the, it's so hard for me to go, fuck you, do this. And I, I, 
I sometimes think like it must be impossible to succeed at a high level if you're not an asshole. And if Vince Gilligan found out how to do that, I am jealous of him. See, this is, uh, I always wanted, this is a great way to pivot out the episode is where Noah talks about uh, not trying to be an asshole on purpose. Yeah. So yeah. if you Now guys, I'm going to plug myself. If you guys would like to, uh, yeah, hit like and subscribe, everybody. Smash that, hit the little bell. Smash uh, that button. Yeah, smash oh that my God, button. guys. This thing is so awesome. Hit the button if you this show. This show is brought to you by Raid Shadow Legends, everybody. No, just kidding. It has nothing to do with Raid Shadow Legends. If you want to find past Oh my god, you episodes, have not had coffee until you've tried Blue Bottle Coffee. Past episodes of the show are on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Show. Write to us, noandbilldon'tgetit at gmail.com. Give us a review on the aggregators because that's how people find new podcasts. I'm on Twitter, at William Scurry. My video content, my production, my essays, the small short films I've made is on YouTube at youtube.com slash amcaesar. And now here's Noah. Here I am. I am all about the Big Quiz Thing. Bigquizthing.com, the finest in live trivia events nationwide, worldwide, virtually, and in person. Check out our new website, bigquizthing.com. Hire us for your own corporate, private, public fundraiser uh, family event you name it the best the finest in live trivia entertainment okay everybody until the next episode we cover more dazzling prequel entertainment like the Mr. Belvedere prequel where we follow the baseball career of Bob Euchre better call Euchre we don't get it a production of American Caesar Enterprises 2022